Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Football Outsiders Livecast for December 30th, 2021. Hi, I'm Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined today by Mike Tanier and Cale Clinton to preview Week 17 in the NFL. Not the last week anymore. Ooh. And exciting because it was possible this year, even with the extra game, in fact, because of the extra game, that we would have teams that had everything clinched up with two games left to play that would sit their starters for two great right. games. Again, luckily, none of that is happening. So lots of good football to discuss for this week. Uh, welcome everybody who's watching us right now on Twitch and YouTube. Please feel free to ask us questions and make comments, and we will read them on the show and answer your questions on the show about Week 17 Thank you to everybody who's watching on Facebook and Twitter or listening afterwards on the Football Outsiders podcast network. Don't forget about our offer, 99 cents a week for FO Plus, folks. That is all of our advanced metrics broken down with splits and interesting data, plus fantasy football projections and research tools and the picks against the spread, which are doing pretty well this year. And... Uh, we are not going to discuss all the big lines, but you missed before we came on the air. We were talking about how we all like Houston plus 12 and a half this week. Yes. Yeah, it's down to plus 12. Still like it. And so still- 12 and a half at the, the Vegas insider consensus. So DraftKings may have it down to 12, but other places have it, I guess, at 13. At 13. So Definitely. Consensus is 12 and a half. Right. And, and what you were saying, if this was based off of the idea that Trey Lance is coming in, and being significantly better than Jimmy Garoppolo, that's not a presumption that you should really have as a a wager or as a fan. Right. I mean, in the long run, sure. In the short term, no. Right. Right. We will talk about games that matter a lot more for the playoffs. Uh, I mean, that one matters for the playoffs, but I think everybody believes San Francisco will win it. So let's talk about some games that are closer, starting with the most important game for playoff odds – Philadelphia at Washington. Philadelphia makes the Eagles. Philadelphia. It's because the Eagles make the playoffs in 94% of Sims where they win this game and 38% if they lose. Washington, 15% if they win, 0% if they lose. If they lose, they are out. The Eagles clinch appearance in the playoffs if they win this game and get a Vikings loss plus either a Saints loss or the 49ers loss that we just said was probably not going to happen. So let's let's say instead that they get a win plus a Vikings loss and a Saints loss. Right. Uh, That they make uh, they make they get in the playoffs before we even get to week 18. So um, there should be a good amount of running in this game. This is the top two uh, top two teams in ESPN's run block win rate, hmm. but a very big gap in DVOA. Philadelphia is 11th right now. Washington is 25th. And Philadelphia, we are – what am I saying? We The Eagles are fourth in rushing DVOA, third? Fourth. They're fourth. Number one in rushing yards, number three in yards per carry. And they have a lot of, in in our line blocking stats, a lot of first place, second place, lowest stuffed rate in the NFL. Uh, So they're very rarely stuffed behind the line of scrimmage, usually getting productive runs. 
Yeah, I'm really impressed with just I, – I honestly didn't realize that the Eagles had a top-10 offense based on the success of their running backs. Because, mm. as you know, as decent as Jalen Hurts has been, it's it's really been, you know, Miles Sanders comes in ninth in DYAR, sixth in DVOA. Jordan Howard and Boston Scott are in the top 10 of those running backs we have between 20 and 99 rushing attempts. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're uh, third and seventh, respectively. But just a, a, a really, really talented running back room there. And uh, Washington isn't quite as competitive in the uh, – is decent, I think, at league average. I think they're 15th in uh, rushing defense. Uh, for DVOA, but it's yeah, gonna be a lot of ground game in this one. We'll be without Miles. Eagles will be without Miles Sanders. Oh yes, he has a broken hand. I guess yeah. so oh, he's yes. not he's playing out. in this game. But they'll have Howard and they'll have Boston Scott. And I can't imagine that it's actually going to change how often they run the ball. No, no, they ran the ball. Sanders was hurt for a lot of that 175 mm -hmm. yard consecutive streak. Sanders was out. Howard Scott and Gainwell were very effective. Of course, Hurts is a big part of that as well. Mm -hmm. And I went and looked, and the Eagles' weaknesses on defense are not really things that Washington is really well-built to take advantage of. For example, um, the Eagles are 30th against tight ends, but Ricky Seals-Jones is averaging 15 yards a game for the last five games. Oh, my goodness. And they're not good on third downs, but neither is the Washington offense. And they're not good in the red zone, but neither is the Washington offense. So it's like... <laughs> The weaknesses that the Eagles have on defense, Washington is really not well-built to take advantage of in any way. Yeah, I was looking at Washington's DVOA, trying to figure out, like, what they can hang their hat on. And it was interesting. I'll pull my notes up real quick. They are fourth in first downs, first down offense. But then they're in the 20s in everything else. So, like, they have to have success on that, on that first down. If they get behind the sticks, they're stuck. And it's not even like a behind-the-sticks situation. Most of their chunk plays, it's like first down when you can't really go with the, whatever their, uh, you know, their, their typecasting is. They can get those chunk plays. If they're trying to sequentially move the ball down the field, very weak at that. And that's been – that's persistent. That's before they had all the Garrett Gilbert games, et cetera. Yeah, and I guess they also have a lot of COVID cases on defense, although um, guys may be coming back. You have to keep track of now. Now we have to keep track of five days, who's gotten mm – -hmm who's COVID, who has COVID, who doesn't have COVID. So I think they're getting most of those guys back, but right. they may not have practiced as much. And, 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 um, and their defense wasn't really effective before. Their defense wasn't effective when Chase Young and everybody was at full speed earlier in the season. They had right, a little, I mean, because their yeah. secondary has had so many problems with guys being out of position and, and broke, blown coverages and just all kinds of problems this year. Like, you know. We've said it before, and we'll say it again, and we thought that Washington not only had a good defense, but that their secondary was going to be upgraded this year, and in fact, right. it's been the opposite. Right. So the line on this game is Philadelphia by four. Mm. I'm comfortable laying those four points and taking the Eagles. As useful as first was saying, yeah, Howard, also there's injury problems. I'm not worried who playing running back. I'm, if Kelsey's playing and Lane Johnson are playing on the line and Hertz is going to be triggering, you know, zone read, et cetera, I'm comfortable Eagles will be able to run the ball. I've seen so little to be excited about from Washington for the last three weeks. The Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys sequence. They've been so poor. I can't look at them and say, oh, they're gonna they're gonna rise to this occasion. So I'm comfortable with the Eagles minus four. 
Yeah, as much as I like guys like Terry McLaurin, I don't think Taylor Heineke's got enough to like really, you know, push things over the like over the top and make a difference here. Uh even losing Miles Sanders in this one, like you said, like yeah. Eagles have a deep enough running back room where that's not gonna be too big of a, you know, too big of a loss. So yeah, I think Eagles minus four I'm pretty comfortable with here. Right. Same here. I like the Eagles. Uh, useful was first, says Philly Talk Radio is acting like the Eagles will win this easy. So is it a trap game? So first of all, I don't believe in trap games. I believe that if you if you define what a trap game is and then you go back and you look at those games, the teams lose them about as often as you would expect them to randomly lose to worse teams. It happens. But also, it's hard for me to imagine, even if you think psychologically about what a trap game is, it's hard for me to imagine that a division rival in a game that a win can put you in the playoffs mm -hmm. is a trap game. Right. Like, what are you looking forward to? Yeah. <laughs> this, this, is it. This, this win probably, you know, depending on what happens in other games, this win puts you in the playoffs. That's what you've been looking forward to. So, yep. you know. Yep. Angelo ain't suiting up in this. The the the, the guys at, at uh, 94 are not suiting up in this. They're doing the cheerleader thing. I, I know how you're thinking because if Philly were like that, it, we're looking past it. If the fans are looking past it, the players must be looking past it. It's not really it's not really how it goes. Yeah, I can't imagine that the player, you know, if it was an, an, a not a bad non-division foe in week 10. You know, right. then I'd be like, okay, that fits the definition of a trap game, even if yeah. I don't believe that a trap game means anything. That at least right. fits the definition. I don't think this fits the definition. Right. Who are they playing next week? Cowboys. Okay, so looking ahead to the Cowboys, I mean, a little bit maybe, but again, this is the win that probably puts you in the playoffs, depending yeah. on what happens in other games. I you think you lose to the Cowboys. If you win this game, you lose to the Cowboys, you're probably still in based on who else loses in the next two weeks. So this is the win they need. Yeah, I think Philadelphia fans just have last year's outright throwing of a game in week 17 still on their minds. <laughs> <laughs> we have 50 years of PTSD about the Eagles in our minds. So like, we always look for things like this. Fair enough. Los Angeles Rams at Baltimore. Most of the best games this week are at 1 p.m., by the way, which is sort of interesting. They're all going up against each other. Uh, L.A. Rams at Baltimore. Rams already in. But Baltimore, they make the playoffs in 58% of Sims when they win this game and 3% if they lose. So it's pretty close to a much win for the Ravens. But they are 19th in DVOA, and the Rams are fourth, although the Rams are seventh weighted. Surprisingly good trenches matchup, even with all the injuries that the Ravens have had. Mm -hmm. The Rams dominate in all of ESPN's trenches stats, but the Ravens are surprisingly good. 11th in pass rush win rate, 10th in pass blocking, third in run stopping, and fourth in run blocking. So... Mm -hmm. That's better than I would have expected, especially from the offensive line, given the injuries that they've had on the offensive line this year. Uh, the Ravens, uh, here's interesting, worst pass defense in the league since week 10. That's not a shock if you've watched them. Ain't no what is kind of a surprise is the Rams' pass offense has gone from third to 21st since week 10. Stafford mm. has not been playing as well. And then... I was on Toronto radio about two hours ago, and they asked me about whether Odell Beckham has sort of saved the Rams' offense season. And I was like, no, 
mm-hmm. um, they rather would have Robert Woods. Like if you oh, ask Rams, the Rams, if we went back and told you Robert Woods doesn't get hurt, but you can't sign Odell Beckham, would you do it? They'd be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sony has saved their season. Sony with his like big power rushing games over the last month. What are the Ravens in weighted DVOA? Because that's got to be low. The Ravens in weighted the 31st in total defense. 22nd. They drop from 19th to 22nd in weighted. They go from minus 1% to minus 7%. I think one thing we're looking at, Lamar Jackson practiced, it was limited at practice yesterday. We may be seeing Lamar back. I I don't know what to put stock in. Lamar on a gimpy ankle after several weeks coming off a bunch of weak performances on his part. I don't know if I can elevate that was all the other problems Ravens have in, into thinking, okay, that's going to be a difference maker in this game. Versus three good Huntley games. The fact is, it's kind of nutty. And again, you you want to look at the longer term, not the shorter term here. Like mm-hmm. we all agree, in the long term, Lamar Jackson is going to give you better performance than Tyler Huntley or should. Right. Very likely to. But the Baltimore offensive rating in Tyler Huntley games has been higher than in Lamar Jackson games. And slightly. Right. And I think part of it is you're watching with the backup, trying to do a little less, trying to simplify the system a little bit. I mean, they're not just running the ball or anything like that, but like you, you, if you, if you continue for a few more weeks, you'd see the weaknesses of Huntley, whereas they're not trying to open up the entire playbook. Like they try to do with Lamar Jackson, which as you saw was getting very wobbly in those last couple of games. No um, one is covering Cooper Cup. No one is covering Odell. Yeah, who, right. Who is covering Cooper Cup for the Ravens? Like Jimmy Smith has okay. Has, well, Jimmy Smith has good charting stats, mm-hmm. but there's a reason why he was demoted to like fourth cornerback this year. Right. And Anthony Averett has a broken bone, bro, broken rib. So they're not even sure he's going to play. So right. Kevon Seymour has given up like 15 yards a target or something. Like who's covering Cooper Cup? And if they. If if someone if they have anyone good to cover Cooper Cup, who the heck covers Van Jefferson and, and Beckham? Like it just I mean, to me, we can talk about Lamar Jackson all we want. This comes down to the fact that the Ravens defense is completely wrecked. I will like be really honest here. I made this my pick of the week. This is the football outsiders pick of the week, which by the way is 10 and 6 so far this year. Nice. And here's another thing I found while preparing the pick of the week video. Uh, the Ravens, we know, blitz more than almost any other team. Matthew Stafford is second in ESPN's QBR this year when blitzed. Huh. That'll do it. The Ravens just who's don't have those guys one-on-one. <laughs> who's doing it? Like, I don't know who's doing it. The Ravens just don't have the horses to run this race anymore. They've got right. 10, 10 members of their defense either, either on injured reserve or out this week, and they've got six more defensive players that didn't practice this week. Wow. Their starting corners are Tavon Young. If Anthony Averett doesn't play, Jimmy Smith is the other corner. And Chris Westry is their first backup corner. Oof. Like, they just don't – and Lamar can't walk. And I don't want to fully – I don't want to fully, you know, write these guys off considering how well the Ravens have done without Lamar Jackson and the fact that they played a game so tightly against teams like the Green Bay Packers. And, like, they, they've – you know, they've punched above their weight class with everything that they've dealt with. I I wouldn't totally put it past them to cover, but I give them 
near zero percent chance to win this game outright. They're out of guys. They're just they're just out of guys. <laughs> yeah, there's no dudes. <laughs> and I'm angry at the NFL. I do want to say I am angry at the NFL for moving this game to one o'clock because I really would have rather it be at four thirty than at one. But mm -hmm. it's at one. So what are you going to do? Right. Um, the line is. Uh, Rams by three and a half. And like I said, I'm going Rams all the way. This is the football outsiders pick of the week this week. Rams minus three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. I definitely have taken the Rams. I'm seeing the over at 46 and a half, too. And I could see getting over that. I mean, with Josh Johnson, they managed to put up 21 points. The Ravens put up 21 points. They'll find a way uh, uh, to, to get a few points on the board. So definitely going Rams. Maybe going same game parlay with the over. Yeah, there's got to be some prop bets in there, too, of, like, a Van Jefferson over-receiving yards with Cooper Cup. Like, you can really start stringing this together with, uh, you know, passing props as well. I'm, there's a there's a small part of me that's like, don't count these guys out. I, I, I think I have to go Rams minus three and a half just after, just after what happened with Cincinnati last weekend, where, yeah. you know, 41 points, 525 passing yards. Right. This secondary has been decimated. CCX3 says uh, anyone can play a tight game against Green Bay at this point for some reason. So I guess <laughs> the fact that the Ravens did, shouldn't we shouldn't uh, take that into account. And besides, they played a tight game against Green Bay because they scored a lot of points, but their defense sucked. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I can see this game being like the Bengals game. Yeah, 41-21. And that's why I'm thinking over because like it's not going to be close so much as – the Ravens will figure out ways of hanging around in it. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody's asking about a Cooper Cup uh, prop. Uh, don't, we don't have player props posted on DraftKings right now, but I'm guessing it's going to be very high. They're not going to give you. Yeah. They're not going to give you 62.5 on Cooper Cup. That's you know that's unlikely. Mm -hmm. All right, Kansas City at Cincinnati, the most important game of the day for who makes the Super Bowl. Because Kansas City is already in the playoffs. The Bengals do clinch the AFC North with a win. But even if they lose this game, they're still at 74% to make the playoffs. And the odds of making the Super Bowl, Kansas City is 42% with a win, 32% with a loss. The Bengals are 8% with a win, 3% with a loss. And remember that our system still loves the Patriots with the force of a thousand sons <laughs> and has a hard time with the fact that the Chiefs sucked so bad in the fourth quarter this week. So you probably want to bump those Kansas City odds up a little bit. <laughs> you know where the Chiefs kind of sucked and have the red zone there. The Chiefs are 27th in red zone offense. And I think we and saw that. That's less consistent than other things. So great. Something else the Chiefs will be better at going forward. <laughs> right. Uh. right. You saw a little of that last week. They were kind of driving down the field, and then they had, you know, the backup kicker in there, sometimes making them, sometimes missing them. But they, they can't – the Bengals, on the other hand, are 30th in red zone defense. So it's definitely resistible force versus movable object when we get to look for that split. Yeah, well, I trust that number for the Bengals' defense more than I do for the Chiefs' offense. <laughs> Both of these teams have dramatically improved in recent weeks, though. I will point out, since week 10, Kansas City is second on offense and fourth on defense. Mm. And Cincinnati, which, like, DVOA does not like as much as various EPA-based stats, and I don't know why that is. And I would have to, like, get an EPA breakdown by play and compare plays to figure out why mm -hmm. our numbers don't like them as much as other advanced metrics. 
But even in DVOA, Cincinnati, since week 10, is ninth in offense and 13th in defense. So both teams have been better in recent weeks. But one weakness that Cincinnati has is their 28th against tight ends. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, and somebody's back and hungry. Yeah, yeah. they're also, uh, what I'm surprised about is they're seventh against wide receiver ones as well in their past events, but they haven't really faced a ton of great wide receiver ones. Their best matchup this year was against Devontae Adams, who put up 11 receptions, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, they got pretty blown up by. Uh, uh, they got blown up by George Kittle as well, so they've had some pretty poor performances against tight ends. Chargers as well. Mike Williams had another 110-yard game against them. Mm. So they haven't faced a ton of like really top-tier wide receiver ones. And if they get exposed by a Tyreek like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, both pretty hungry to come back on a Chiefs team that, for the first time in a while, I've been pretty confident in saying it's like there's no way to write off their last couple of wins where it's not like, oh, they're still putting up low-scoring performances or, right. you know, their defensive touchdowns are hiding some of their offensive woes. Like, this is this is a Chiefs team that looks, you know, not all the way back to, you know, near-untouchable form, but their offense is, is back to clicking again. And this is just, yeah, I, I think this is pretty, uh, pretty heavy on Chiefs offense here, especially, you know, this is a – Chiefs offense perfectly suited to kind of pick apart this Cincinnati Bengals defense. We can argue about the Bills, but I think the Chiefs are definitely back to being either one or two in the AFC, either one or one B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's the thing. We have confidence in what we're seeing right now because we saw it for two, three years where the Bengals were like, this looks like it's on the rise. But like you said, and that's interesting with the wide receiver ones because, yeah, you're playing in the AFC North. You're, you're getting Claypool with Roethlisberger throwing to him. You're getting Hollywood with whoever's available. Hollywood is kind of up and down as the number one. And the Browns, I don't know who, who you consider their number one receiver. I guess Land. I it was Donovan Peoples for Jones. A few weeks, and now it's Landry is the number one. And I think um, you said Mike Williams, by the way. I think Keenan Allen is the guy who's listed as one in the defense versus receivers, and Mike Williams is two. Right. I th- I think Keenan got banged up in that game for some reason. I, th- oh. I don't know if he played fully. Uh, oh, that may have been a game Mike he didn't Williams. play. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I will uh, point out that what's improved for the Bengals' defense over the last few weeks is their run defense, not their pass defense. Mm-hmm. Their pass defense is 22nd. Uh, again, that's not the right mix to have when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs because they're going to be like, oh, do you have a good run defense? <laughs> okay. <laughs> throw, 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 throw. Uh, yeah, Josh Johnson early in the game, two Mark Andrews were talking about tight ends. That was effective early in that game. And, of course, while you can't stop anything because you have zero cornerbacks, so uh, Burrow threw for 500 yards against the Ravens. But they were facing a fourth-string quarterback, and it was it was credible. It was not any in-book-level performance. It was a sign of you know potential weaknesses in that secondary for the Bengals. Useful was first says, if nothing else, it sounds like betting the over is a good idea. The over is 51, so it's yeah, hard. I'm scared of that. I'm thinking of like this is going to be like 27 to 20 or something like that. And if you look at a lot of Chiefs games, they've come out like that this this year. As have Bengals Bengals games. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I think wary. that whole Andy Reid shuts it down with a big lead idea would keep me away from the over. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just a matter of whether Cincinnati can keep, you know, pushing that envelope hanging in there to see if it staves off. Just Andy Andy Reid shutting it down at that point, though. Also, one other stat that I looked up, I will point out a real imbalance here in pass rush. 
Kansas City is 10th in pass rush win rate. Cincinnati is 30th in pass block win rate. We know Burrow takes a lot of sacks. Being high. Meanwhile, Cincinnati is 24th in pass rush win rate, and Kansas City's great offensive line is 4th in pass block win rate. So there will be a lot of pressure of Burrow and not as much pressure of Mahomes. Yeah, I I don't know if the Zach Taylor, I'm going to go empty backfield and hope Burrow gets the ball downfield before he's flattened. I would not do that against Steve Spagnuolo and Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram and Frank Clark and every stunt and twist because they'll rush you with four. And they'll twist and they'll beat you if that's how you, how you're ap- approaching this. I mean, um, you know, I'm not going to write off Cincinnati's possibility of winning this game, but I think Kansas City is very rightfully favored. The line is five, and I probably would pick Kansas City minus five. Yeah, you got to get me up to about six and a half before I start looking back at the Bengals as a value there. I don't love it at five, but that's I would take Kansas City. I'll take Cincinnati on this one, just because I I like to I like I listen. We've we've gone with each other on almost every pick. It's been almost unanimous here, yeah. but I will say that I, I have been really impressed with how well this passing offense is played. And I think if there's any sort of way to keep pace with the Chiefs, it's just pure, it's pure gunsling, just airing it out, trying to like just trying to score as many points as possible through the air as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And Cincinnati feels oddly equipped to do that just because of all the young talent they have at receiver, you know, some supplemental work in the running back department as well there with Joe Mixon, Samaja Piran. But I don't, I don't know. This, this team's just got like a little bit extra, you know, spunk in it. They feel a little bit more confident and a win for them here would really give them some confidence heading into the playoffs. And I think they, you know, it's it. Burrow feels like he plays with the chip on his shoulder pretty often in a in a Baker Mayfield s way, but you know, it seems to work out better for Joe Burrow than it does Baker Mayfield. I, I will talk me into something. Don't bring in Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say um, <laughs> it'll be interesting what the discussion will be if Cincinnati wins this game. I wonder whether it will be more of uh, oh my god, Cincinnati's for real, or will the discussion be more <clears throat> oh no, what if Kansas City's having problems again? Well, which which team has a larger fan base and gets more click through? The answer is the Chiefs. So that will be the discussion. But like, if we're trying to be honest about it, I think we would probably want to say well, that's a that you get the Bengals beating you know the Ravens depleted. They've beaten the Steelers. All those things that the old Andy Dalton Bengals never did. This team is doing. That's a demonstration. They're a cut above the old. Oh, ten wins and one and done playoff Bengals we saw years ago. Mm-hmm. All right, um, one last 1 p.m. game we want to discuss, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders at the Indianapolis Colts. The Raiders, if they win this game, are 57% to make the playoffs, 19% if they lose. Indianapolis, if they win this game, they're in. And if they lose, they're at 85% to make the playoffs. Uh, and one thing I will point out, the Raiders' defense is 10th against the run, 25th against the pass. So this may not be as smooth sailing for Jonathan Taylor as some other recent games, but uh, it may be smoother sailing for Carson Wentz. Assuming Carson Wentz plays, and it looks like... Right, it, it looks like Carson Wentz. We were talking before we came on the air about yes. the new COVID guidelines. It looks like all Carson Wentz has to do is... 
they call him up on Sunday morning and he goes, yeah, I don't have a fever and I feel fine. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if he actually feels fine. As long as he says he feels fine, Carson Wentz plays. Airtight. <laughs> ah, but moving on from the larger implications of that, uh, smoother sailing or not for Jonathan Taylor, who is, by the way, my pick for offensive player of the year. Um, worst Raiders have the worst uh, red zone defense in the NFL. So when you that, that's something to keep in mind. You get the game close, you get the ball down there, you should be able to pound the ball, and you should be able to get touchdowns if you're the Colts. Yeah, it feels pretty much that simple, honestly. Uh, and, and on the other side of the ball, I mean, Derek Carr has gone through just so much, and he feels really just depleted of weapons at this point. Uh, it, it Not quite as decimated as the Ravens defense, but I mean, Waller's now on the COVID list. They've had losses with Henry Ruggs and, uh, you know, John Gruden both being asked. The Raiders have just dealt with a lot this year. It's remarkable <laughs> because before the season, I, what I said was the Raiders looked like they were the most boring team in the league and that they were going to come out totally average. Mm. And instead, they've had all kinds of interesting things go on, you know, <laughs> along the line of that old quote-unquote Chinese proverb, uh, may you live in interesting times. They right. certainly have. Uh, but what they've come out as basically is uh, like the most average team in the league. <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. <laughs> right. They're, they don't do anything f phenomenally. And, and uh, yeah, CCX3 has said, you know, Zay Jones is acting as their wide receiver one. That's not ideal. Foster no. Moreau has been – so much has been put through Foster Moreau. I think he's done an okay job at tight end. That's not your ideal tight end. And they're lingering in this. Like, that was just a, like a mucky, sloppy, fumble-filled – disaster of a game against the Broncos they're staying in this by just like these ugly ugly wins so but of course if you're going to beat the Colts that's a team to beat with an ugly turnover filled sloppy weird win so this could be another another situation like that well because the Colts will be sloppy and turnover filled themselves like right. let's be honest in these last couple of wins it has not been great Wentz performances it's been great defensive performances plus Jonathan Taylor I mean Wentz was terrible against the Patriots he was terrible against the Patriots. He was he he came alive in the second half. I think you know we had a couple of you know trending on Twitter throws that he made. Uh, but for the first half of that game, he was not playing well. Uh, one thing about the Colts is they are tied for second in net turnover differential this year. So they have been getting, they had thirty one takeaways. And yes, they have tons of takeaways, and Wentz yes. does not have as many picks as you think he has. Right, right, because every one of them is spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't throw very often, but they have only 17 giveaways. So they've been winning the turnover battle. Whether that's sustainable or not, that's one of the things that's been working in their favor. Um, one other thing that I looked up, the Raiders' offense by down gets successively worse, mm. whereas the Colts' defense is second on third downs. Hmm. Right. So that sounds like another advantage for the Colts there. They're both both the Colts defense and the Raiders offense are 12th on first downs. But when you get to third down, the Colts defense is much better than the Raiders offense. Right. Right. So it's like um, another game. We're just going to go with the favorite here. I'm, you know, it's. Well, I'm no. not sure because the line is six and a half. Okay. That's worrisome. <laughs> And if you and if you take the you take the Raiders and you get a uh, Carson Sam Erlinger start right right 
Carson gets an allergy attack uh, before the I game. think I would stay away from betting on this game, but if you had to like put my gun, gun put a gun to my head and made me bet, I probably would do the Raiders just because of the possibility that the Erlinger starts. But um, I do think the Colts are about six and a half points better than the Raiders. Like, I think this line is pretty accurate. It, it feels right there. I'm more just worried about the fact that the Raiders won't be able to keep up on the passing end of things. Like Indianapolis's passing defense still ranks 12th amongst all defenses in DVOA. And currently on ESPN, the Raiders have four wide receivers total on their depth chart. Uh, hmm. Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones, Brian Edwards, and Sean Jackson. And the fact, and you know, with Waller out with potentially out with COVID, I just can't see the Raiders keeping up with points. And I think even if the Raiders do have a strong run defense, there's just that inkling that Jonathan Taylor's just on a tear where he breaks, you know, he's he's got a penchant to always kind of break off a long run, uh, you know, wear defense down there. I, I could see this one getting, and he'll have his offensive lineman back. I yes. mean, last year, last week, I pointed out, you know, I felt that Taylor's performance without the lineman was bad for the MVP case because it pointed out the importance of the lineman. But the lineman will be back. Yes, they're not going to be on the COVID list this week. So, I mean, Taylor should be back to getting holes, and if he gets holes, he hits the holes and is Taylor. So, you know, yeah. This is not a fun game to bet, though. It's not a, it doesn't sound like a fun game to watch either, you no. know? I mean, in, I don't like the idea of the Raiders as a playoff team. That's, like, what I'm stuck with on this. Yeah, please don't give us the Raiders no. in the playoffs. Please don't give us the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs, except for the fact that I picked them as a playoff team before the season, and I like to be right. But as far <laughs> as entertainment value, please don't give us the Miami Dolphins. The right, playoffs. so we'll have the NFC East runner-up, whether that's the Patriots or the Bills, and we'll have the Colts. And we'll have the Chargers. That's that. That's we all crazy. want the Chargers, right? For entertainment yes. purposes. Yeah. For entertainment purposes, everyone wants it to go: Colts, Patriots, Chargers. Right? Aren't those the three most interesting, fun to watch of the teams that possibly win playoff spots in the AFC? I agree. I mean, you get to watch some fun Herbert throws, and you're guaranteed some big plays because the Chargers defense can't tackle. So, win-win. As an added bonus, if the Colts beat the Raiders then the Patriots might clinch a playoff spot this week and not have to worry about losing to Miami. So, And Jonathan Taylor might win Offensive Player of the Year. And Jonathan Taylor might win you some money as Offensive Player of the Year. <laughs> Plus 2,000. Uh, let's go to the biggest of the 4 p.m. games, what I believe is the national game on Fox, which is Arizona at Dallas. There's no graphic for this one because both teams are already in the playoffs. But at the same time, Arizona's Super Bowl odds are so low at this point that there's no point in a graphic showing how they change because they barely change if they win this game. <laughs> Dallas, their Super Bowl odds are 23% if they lose, 33% if they win. Mm. Dallas, of course, is now number one in DVOA, mm. weighted and total. And Arizona is ninth total and down to 14th mm. weighted. Hmm. Give me a reason to like the Cardinals at this point. I mean, you know, there's, we talked about this on yesterday's show. I believe the 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 question of is this now three years of Cardinals decline in the second half? Right. 
is it uh, Kingsbury and we connect it to Kingsbury having declines at Texas Tech in the second half of seasons, or is it Murray? Right. Or is it just three coin flips? The coin flip just came up heads three straight years. What are you going to do? I don't, and I don't know the answer to that question. Obviously, losing DeAndre Hopkins has really hurt their offense, right? right. Like, and yet they won a couple of games against decent opponents with McCoy throwing to Kirk and them. And you yeah, know, that I know be- that's what's weird. That is weird. It's weird that that happened. But then, since the last four games, it's a close win over Chicago and three losses. Right. I think not having like this feels if we're if we're going coin flip this feels the most coin flippy and random like outside effects of most years, uh, the production they had with JJ Watt uh, before and after his injury is pretty obvious on defense how far they've fallen off. Uh, a couple of those games without Rodney Hudson losing him to the COVID list significantly hurt their uh, their ability to pass protect up front. Uh, and also their backup center just could not snap the ball for whatever. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I posted this on Twitter, but I, I went back and looked because it's not something you can search on pro football reference. So I had to go back and look through all of our sheets. But just looking at the last 12 years, they had five more aborted plays than any other team. And the season's yeah. not over yet. Yeah. Right. Just like they've had some they've had some things relatively out of the the control of Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury's play calling ability. Not to say that totally gives him a pass, but right. they've had a couple extra things, especially DeAndre Hopkins too. They've had a, a couple things not re- like really not shake their way. I do think not- Rodney, Rodney Hudson's going to help them bring back a little bit, but against one of the best pass rushers in football, one of the best front sevens in football right now. Right. Well, that's the other thing tough. is, is I will say Dallas is first in the league in DVOA against short passes, 23rd against deep passes. Hmm. And Arizona is near the top of the league in DVOA on deep passes. And they've been good on deep passes even in this last four weeks. Right. But we talk about the Cardinals getting worse. The Cowboys defense has gotten better as they've gotten their full pass rush back, like Tank Lawrence and Gregory and Neville Gallimore and, like, how much time does Murray have? I mean, the thing about Murray is he can scramble around and launch it deep on a scramble drill, and that's something Dallas will have a hard time stopping. But right. I would think there would be plays where the pass rush gets to him before the deep throw can happen. A lot of NFL blitz over the last couple of weeks. Just a lot of NFL blitz by the Cardinals. Well, yeah, oh, he ran around and he completed that, and it's not enough to sustain a win against the Colts, who got some runaround plays on their, on their side. I'm guessing we're going to see Diggs versus Green. Going up the boundary, that's how well, I would think Kirk wouldn't. I wouldn't well, you think of Kirk as the number one receiver at this point in Arizona. I, I mean, Kirk moves around more and more green is like green always on the boundary. Yeah. 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 So I'm not sure how they'll play that. I would rather see Diggs not moving all over formation. I don't think that's his strength. Um, and then if that's the case, we get the, the classic Diggs coin flip where maybe it's a two interception game or maybe it's three holding penalties or whatever, or, or he gives up a big one. So. Um, Arizona is strong against wide receiver one and tight end, not against wide receiver two or wide receiver three. And I don't know if that's good against, I don't think that's a good thing against a Dallas team that goes three deep at wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I could, I could really use a big Michael Gallup game, by the way, to win <laughs> the multi-league. The multi-league is the fantasy league. I do my friends where we do all three sports. 
Oh God, it's this thing. And I'm we 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 do we it's a point system in football, not a wins and losses system. I'm three points behind first place with one game left to play. How did this work with the NBA this year? Like with all these um, we COVID drafted games. NBA players and it's just if, if they go on the COVID list, you don't get to play, you just don't get to play them. <laughs> this league sounds like nightmare fuel to me, but it, it that it comes with all that, it comes down to Michael Gallup seems appropriate. Like oh, it's well, not you win, you win money, you win money by finishing first in each sport, and then you win money by finishing first overall. So nice. I'm trying to finish first in the NFL. Add golf next year. Uh, add golf. <laughs> yeah. Fantasy golf. <laughs> I know nothing about golf. I don't know much about the NBA. I don't Dogs know much about the NBA either at this point. Right. The funny thing is, when I was a kid, NBA was the fantasy game that we played in school because I wasn't that big a football fan in high school, and you couldn't do baseball because we all went away for the summer. So we oh, played fantasy wow. NBA when I was in high school. That's that's what happens when you live in New England in 1990 is you don't play fantasy NFL because your football team is one in 15. So. <laughs> what did you have to do? Get the USA Today and like hand do the stats back then? Yep. Yep. I did some of that today. Not for basketball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was my hobby in high school. All right. Uh, let us six. Dallas favored by six at this point. It was five and a half. It's now moved to Dallas by six. <sighs> I'm going I'm with chalk today. I'm, Dallas. I'm 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 going with our numbers, and the numbers have the Dallas is number one, and they're an all-around team with strengths in every way. And I'm going with Dallas. Chalkzilla, I'm going with Dallas too. Dallas too. Just too much. Yeah, I, I think the defensive front seven's too good. The only edge Arizona has in the past game. Uh Dallas is 15th against other wide receivers and 15th against tight ends. So if you're banking on a big Zach Ertz, Antoine Wesley game, then I don't see a path for Arizona, really. I don't even think Antoine Wesley counts as other wide. I mean, I may list him as the third wide receiver for Arizona, but if you think about how Arizona is set up, he's basically playing Hopkins's position. So the outside I think we've identified the problem. Over <laughs> him, well, yeah. Antoine Wesley, you step hey. right in for Nuke Hopkins and do everything he did. <laughs> Remember <laughs> Andy Isabella? Yes, UMass. What happened to that guy? UMass um, is finest. Yep. The uh, 8 p.m. Yeah. 8 p.m. game. Minnesota at Green Bay. Packers already in. Green Bay uh, already in. Vikings. 64 percent of the time they make the playoffs if they win this game. Three percent if they lose this game. <laughs> So it's a must win for Mike's favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, who shockingly, despite the greatness of Dalvin Cook for fantasy purposes, are 10th in passing and 27th in rushing. But they're facing a Green Bay defense that's 14th against the pass, 31st against the run, and that gets Jair Alexander back, although I don't know how much he'll play. So that's would be sort of relative strength against relative strength. Vikings without Adam Thielen for the rest of the season. Vikings without Adam Thielen yeah. for the rest that's, of the season. So that becomes cool. they become and they have Cook back, which I guess helps. It's the Justin Jefferson show, and he's phenomenal, but it's a one-man gang. Vikings had the upset 34-31, I believe, was the final. Really weird, weirdly fluky game where when you watch it, Cousins would throw an interception and there was a defensive hands to the face. 
and then he'd go down and score a touchdown. And yeah, then- by post-game win expectancy, that was one of the strongest wrong results of the year. Like Green right. Bay way outplayed Minnesota. Right, all kind of wackiness. And the Vikings coming off another game where Matthew Stafford tried to hand them the game. He was at, dropped back to his 10-yard line, throw so- sidearm passes directly to Anthony Barr a couple of times. Uh, that led to 10 points for the Vikings, but then the Vikings couldn't really stop the the, the Rams on uh, when the Rams were on offense. They couldn't punch it in enough on defense. They kept settling for field goals, and the Rams had a pretty convincing victory by the end of that game. So, as usual from me, I have a hard time finding reasons to like the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, all my reasons to like them are mainly just anecdotal, if anything. Like, just the fact that they pick up that close win uh, – in their first matchup, just the fact that Green Bay's played a lot of very surprisingly close games, whether it's the Tyler Huntley missed two-point conversion or that Browns game just coming down to the wire, doing some preview for week and quote stuff. Aaron Rodgers also seems like he's at least throwing throwing the idea out that this might be his last home regular season game in Lambeau. Like, it's a lot of weird (laughs) – the thing is, as, as much as I would like to see Green Bay just put an ass stomping on Minnesota so that they'll finally freaking go up in DVOA and I don't have to talk about how low their DVOA is anymore. Mm-hmm. Their DVOA is not that much better than Minnesota's right now. <laughs> and Minnesota plays all these games close. So I feel like what we're in line for is another Green Bay victory by three freaking points. That's what we are in line for here. Like, doesn't it uh, feel like that? It's just every freaking game they play this year, but also against Minnesota. Like, doesn't it feel like that? And the Vikings love backdoor backdoor covering. They play tough in the fourth quarter when they're trailing in these games. So they have all these ways of sticking around. And I think I, I've said this in the past. It seems like they're built to kind of mess with DVOA because they're, they, they play such – good percentage football until they're asked to do something superlative and it just then it's just like that but uh but what, what is the line i even lost track of the line on this the game. line is uh green bay oh is favored <laughs> that's by seven. seven by seven by the by the way the colts went up to seven while we were talking they're now minus seven but yes i share your fear on that one on that one because the Vikings would lie like a snake in the grass and get a four point loss. Like, do I think green Bay will win overall? Yes. Against the spread. I'm picking Minnesota. I'm picking Minnesota against the spread. If I'm picking this game against the spread, Minnesota, give me the seven. Last week they were, uh, the Vikings were down by 10 in the closing like moments and they got in the field goal range and they kicked the field goal before kicking, going back for the onside kick. So that <laughs> that's what we're up against right now. Will they try to punch it in or kick the field goal and take their chances with the onside kick? I guess against the Packers, you take the chance with the onside kick, but that's what we're thinking about at this point. Like how will the Vikings manage their cover in this game? These teams, by the way, are both very, very low in pass rush win rate, okay. but the Packers are much better at pass blocking. Even with all the backups that they've played on their offensive line, they are much better in pass blocking than the Vikings are. Yeah, any favoritism I have for Green Bay at this point, most like nothing really backed in numbers and analysis. It's mainly just coming down to like if if Green Bay has a legitimate chance at going on the Super Bowl run, I feel like they need some sort of 
wake up statement win. And, they, and win. They, they, I want it. Come on, do it. <laughs> something. Give me something <laughs> to work with. Otherwise, we're, otherwise, if they win this one by three, we're gonna have to start. We have to start running like biggest Pythagorean, like overachievers of all time lists wow. for them. <laughs> wow! If they win another game by two or three points, God, just Packers, just do it already. <laughs> is that really? Is it just a perception at this point? Where oh, look what the Cowboys did with this stomp the daylights out of this team. So like now we're totally confident in them, and the stats, you know, and, and the metrics look good. Is that what we're up against with the, the Packers at this point? Like. Just like well, bad fourth quarter, or it's just they just don't have big wins. Right. Like their wins, even their big wins, are like ten points or thirteen right. points. Like they just don't have any like wire to wire dominating games where they're just like we are here. <laughs> like against bad opponents, look. The best thing to do is to have a wire to wire dominating game over an average opponent or a good opponent. I mean, the best thing is something like what Buffalo did to Kansas City early in the season. Right. The next best thing is something like what the Patriots did to Cleveland or Tennessee. But even something like last week, those all those blowouts like Dallas, like Tampa, like Philly against the Giants, right? DVOA likes those games, except for Kansas City for some reason, because God forbid that I ever give Kansas City a good rating. But <laughs> if you're looking for any like temporal edge either in terms of like time, like the Packers perform really well pretty much across the board. Their offense is second DVOA in the second quarter, second DVOA in the third quarter, third and DVOA in fourth and overtime. They're first in DVOA in just the second half in general and second in DVOA in late and close games. The only thing they don't sit near the top in is their 17th in offensive DVOA in the first quarter. So if you chalk it up to slow starts in the first 15 minutes, letting teams get out ahead, like that's really the only thing offensively that I could expect. We pulled that to win last week on the – the Browns minus three in the first quarter. Yeah, right, right. We got the first quarter play in on that, and I was driving my mom home. I didn't even know what was going on, but but that was an example. That Christmas night game, like that, it didn't feel close, but the final score was close, and the Browns hung in. And it's like, why didn't you put this opponent away? It seemed like they were begging to be put away, or they're throwing interception after interception, and it doesn't click together and turn into this statement. I mean, play. look, they're the they're going to be the number one seed in the NFC. So they have, I mean, we have them with the second best chance of making the Super Bowl, but, you know, whatever. First best chance, second best chance, pretty good chance of making the Super Bowl. Yeah. You want to take a team that cannot put opponents away and put them up against the Kansas City Chiefs? <laughs> you want to do that against Tom Brady in the playoffs when he's yeah, got Tom guys Brady, back? Right. In the Tom Brady in the NFC Championship games, we can't put teams away, and now we're going to have a three-point lead against Tom Brady going into the fourth quarter? Come on. And the team that historically gives up 300 rushing yards per game in the playoffs, and here come the Eagles and the 49ers as well, as potential wild cards sliding in if they don't get the first seed. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Monday Night Football. One last game to cover on this show. That is Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Browns make the playoffs 25% of the time if they win. None if they lose. They're out if they lose. Ooh, the Steelers, close. 24% of the time if they win. None if they lose. They're out. Whoever loses this game is out. Goodbye. Whoever wins this game is still in it as long as Kansas City beats Cincinnati. I wouldn't mind to see both of them lose because, like we said, I don't necessarily see this. I don't know what happens with the tie. Oh, don't even think about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think for entertainment purposes, we all want Cincinnati to win the AFC. 
Right. We right. would rather watch Joe Burrow and, and in the Mer- playoffs. And meritocracy. I mean, it's entertaining, and it's also like this is the better team. Um, I, you posted before we came on the air on Twitter uh, just the run rates, um, the run statistics in this are just telling. Like, well, the, the Steelers have allowed like something like 180 yards a game to running backs over the last seven games. Wow. So wow. even though in the first game Chubb only had 61 yards against them, like Darnus Johnson had another 22 yards with a touchdown. Like it's not like they had good run defense in the first game, but like their run defense has been terrible the last few weeks. Absolutely awful. And I mean, they're going up against the number two running game by DVOA. So you would think that Chubb and Johnson are just going to run all over them. Right. The Browns got away from the run in that game. And I checked like the first half stats and, you know, the, the Browns tried to establish a passing game in that. And it's like, that's not necessarily ideal because you're playing right into the hands of the pass rush of the Steelers, which is still one of their strong suits. And, you know, I, I kept looking back at that game, like what happened, what happened? And it's just, you know, the Browns, they missed a fourth and one. There was another fourth and one where they took a penalty. I'm not sure if that was intentional to punt or not, but it shouldn't have been. It, they should have gone for it. And they just made that game about five plays. Like this game is about five plays. And when you make it about five plays for the Steelers, They've got this way of getting a strip sack or a Ben Roethlisberger's one DPI down the, the sideline or Claypool makes some big play and you give them an opportunity to beat you. The Steelers offense surprisingly is ninth in DVOA on third downs and the Cleveland defense is 30th. Yes. yes. There's a lot of there's a lot of like the, the screen pass that winds up getting 15 yards. There's a lot of the DPI. And then there's a lot of the floater down the sidelines and the receiver makes a play for it. Like, like it, it's not like it's an outstanding third down defense for the Steelers, but when you let them get into third and long and you get a couple of conversions, you're giving them their only life offensively. And, and they're good at sort of capitalizing on that. Yeah. I think as much as like, and, and in defense of Kevin Stavansky getting away from the run game last week, watching that tape back, Mm-hmm. Guys like Donovan Peoples Jones and David Joker were open. Like they're running their routes properly and getting open. Um, it's a matter of Baker Mayfield just making the throws. Right. And this game is probably going to come down to that as well. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are currently 24th in DVOA on third and fourth down passing situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Baldwin also posted a graphic on Twitter of, uh, I think it's cl- like clutch quarterback play from 1999 to present day. And if I pull this up right, Baker ranks, I think, 101st of 106 quarterbacks. Okay. Uh, in CP- it's CPOE in clutch situations. Like, abysmal, abysmal play in right. clutch game. Like, if they can stick with the run and only stick with the run, just like New England and Buffalo level Monday night football <laughs> run game. Like, I think that's the way Cleveland wins this game. But, like... I think God, they're fine I, if they're if they're ahead of the sticks, they're fine. If they're running and staying ahead, of, they do not want to be in second and ten. They, they do can't not want to be in third them. and ten at all. No, no, you they know? definitely cannot. Right, right, and and then on defense, they should be able to mount enough pass rush and get enough big plays so that it's not oh the Steelers found sixteen points in their pocket and that's a victory. You know, say so you found your sixteen points out of. You know, again, roughing the passer penalties when Roethlisberger like looks like he fell off a you know fell off a, a stair staircase or something. That's like whatever. We beat you by you know ten points if that's all you score. But Roethlisberger's inviting the family and former teammates out to Heinz Field. Like, yeah, yeah that's who knows? He wants you know? to go out with a bang. I, the, the NFL would love for Cleveland to win this game. 
because if Kansas City then beats Cincinnati, it sets up Cincinnati Cleveland as essentially a playoff mm-hmm. game in Week 18. That's it. That's neat. That's neat. But yeah, this is Roethlisberger is being very clear. This could be the last home game. I don't know what impact that has. I like like if he had anything left in the quiver, he'd have shot it by now. You know? Yeah. No. Exactly. He's running on fumes at this point. But I mean, he'd probably like to, you know. Just it, it give give one good taste in the mouths of Pittsburgh fans at this point. Just trying to salvage whatever you know poor play he's had basically the last two years at this point. You just reminded me. I'm going to have to watch because they, they love the terrible towels on the TV, <laughs> like against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Third and six. Look at the terrible towels going. It's like, oh my god, is this 1977? Yes, the crowd is loud. We realize that, but that's going to be the Monday night uh, uh, image burned into my brain. All the B-roll shots of Steelers fans with Big Ben son. It's yeah, gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a lot. Right. The line is Cleveland by three. And as much as all of your discussion of the emotional impact of Ben Roethlisberger's last home game wants to yeah, I mean, yeah, CCX3 is right. These teams play like they're from 1977. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go with Browns minus three as my pick in this game. Yeah, I'll probably not actually play it, or I'll look for a first quarter play when the time comes. But I'm not that confident with the Browns, but I'm confident enough with the Browns that they should be a significantly better team and get this. The uh, the suggested play, my suggested play for the ESPN best bets is going to be over. Ooh, what's that? What's that? Forty and a half. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And these defenses, uh, especially, <laughs> especially Pittsburgh defense. And these teams have gone over in most of that, gone over 40 in most of their recent games. So, right. I think the kickers uh, are healthy, which helps when you're down around 40, you get some field goals, et cetera. Yeah, that's a pretty low over under right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm going Pittsburgh. Just, I don't trust the Browns to fully lean into the run. I think some of the emotional angle might play a factor in it, but even still, like, there's just like this Cleveland team feels like it's bottoming out. Like there's just a weird part of it where it's, I have not seen good performance out of Cleveland for a number of weeks. weeks. It feels like, weeks. And it, yeah, it just feels, and you know, that, that Tennessee game is still pretty recent for Pittsburgh. Like yeah. th- there's at least been some positive performance out of a, <laughs> out of one team in recent weeks for this game. So I think I'm going Steelers to cover at least. Okay. All right. That does it for our week 17 prediction show. Thank you to everybody watching. Thanks to folks who uh, gave us some comments and questions. Don't forget we're here at one o'clock Eastern every day. Um, Well, almost every day as of now, starting, starting uh, next week, there will be no more Tuesday shows because there's no more fantasy uh, football lineups to be set. But there is still a show tomorrow with Scott Spratt at 1 p.m. Eastern talking about your DFS slate for week 17, and the DFS shows will continue. Um, Thank you to everyone watching. Thank you to everyone listening after the fact on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Thank you to Kale. Thank you to Mike. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Second to last year in 2021. And we'll see you in 2022.